Hey everyone, I'm Julie Gumlock, host of the Bespoke Parenting Hour. For those new to the program, this podcast is focused on how parents should custom tailor their parenting style to fit what's best for their families, themselves, and most importantly, their kids. Today, I'm excited to have on Luke Rosiak. Luke is an investigative reporter for the Daily Wire, and he broke the Loudoun County school bathroom rape story. Luke has has come on the show before to discuss the corruption within the PTA, that's the Parent Teacher Association. That organization, very popular organization in the country, um, used to stand up for parents, uh, but now is simply an adjunct for the teachers unions. Um, the PTA did nothing during the COVID shutdowns to advocate for the opening of schools. And subsequent to the opening of schools, the PTA did nothing uh, to unmask kids. So I encourage all of you to go back and listen to that episode and get a sense of what the PTA stands for today. And frankly, I suggest you all leave your local PTA. They are they are no good. Uh, but today we're not going to talk about the PTA. We're going to talk to Luke about his new book on the problem problems in K through 12 education. He has written a new book on the subject called Race to the Bottom, Uncovering the Secret Forces Destroying American Public Education. I think this is the most important book written about education since the COVID's shutdown. Frankly, I think it's one of the most important books on education, period. He uncovers this really dark side and the dark money that is associated with some of these left-wing political movements within the public schools, and every parent dealing with this needs to read his book. Uh, again, the book details the effects of school shutdowns, teacher union influence, the politicized curriculum across the country, and shows how schools have long operated for the benefit of administrators rather than students. He covers uh, such issues as the tricks they use to hide declining academic rigor and uh, rigor, and he follows the money to reveal how special interests are inserting far-left content into schools, and he examines how parents can fight to restore restore schools to places uh, focused on learning the basics. Hey, Luke, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. So you, I, I love the book. I recommend the book. Every parent in this situation needs to, to, to order and, and read your book and digest your book and memorize your book, but... You know, you've been studying this issue and writing about it for a long time, and your book covers a lot of issues, including CRT, school funding, foundations that are involved, math standards, the brainwashing of kids, even social engineering, and much more. Um, you know, I, I, I was looking through the book, reading the book, and I was like, how did you manage to have the, I don't know, self-control to stop? Was it hard to, one, stop, and also, two, how did you choose the issues to cover? Because I feel like you covered a lot, but there's still a lot more. Yeah, you know, it was a big project. It took about two years, um, and I was working with Peter Schweitzer, the guy that wrote Clinton Cash, so he really knows how to manage a major investigation, which is what this was. Um, You know, people kind of know me for the Loudon rape story that I did for the Daily Wire, and I've done so many other stories, some big, some small, for the Daily Wire. People are always reaching out for help or to get exposure for issues in their school district. And it became clear that um, we needed to take a step back and try to get at the root of the problem because there are 13,000 school districts in America. We can't kind of in the media world, document everything. We've got to empower parents to figure out what's going on in their school district and see what they can do about it. So I tried to take case studies, and I studied 61 school districts across the country 
um, and try to isolate themes of where something's going on in each one that, okay, maybe you don't live there, but you probably recognize the same phenomenon in your school. Um, and I try to keep it focused on uh, people, you know, real people with stories that are interesting to read. Um, and then I try to get at the money issue of, of who's, what are the special interests kind of that, that was a focus is like, look, schools are focused on anything but academics these days. It's a couple different special interest groups uh that have all kind of hijacked schools for their own reasons. So yeah, you could write about the schools forever. They're, the problems are major and uh it's such an important area. Uh but you know I think this book struck a pretty good balance of being kind of timely uh and digestible and kind of easy to read without yeah. being too long. But I, I you know there's more to be said and there's more more work for parents to do on their own as well. There will be a sequel to your book is what you were saying here. Um, I want to delve a little bit deeper into those interest groups, uh, but I just a note here, wh- how you describe your book, um, I think for people who are, you know, looking for an interesting read, sometimes people think, oh, God, I don't want to read a book, you know, that's sort of academic or policy oriented. But you're right. Your book actually, it's interesting. It's it, it's like a, a series of, st- of small stories because you do start each chapter with a story that a lot of people can relate to. Um, so I do encourage people who might, you know, might think, well, I'm not sure I'm really going to enjoy a policy book. It doesn't read that way. It's like, um, it, it's, it's actually, uh, it's almost like watching a documentary or a series of, of documentaries or reading a book that's a series of short stories because the way that you open each chapter with, uh, with a story about what's going on in the schools is, I think, a really great way of writing about you know, serious t- policy issues. So, con- you know, I want to applaud you on that and, and, and encourage people, um, again, who, who might not necessarily go for that genre of writing. Um, but let's talk a little bit about something that you mentioned just a few minutes ago is these, there's just a handful, a few interest groups who have really gotten involved in schools, in funding schools, in turning schools into these indoctrination centers. They really are not any longer teaching what for instance, I was taught in schools only a few, you know, oh yeah, only a few years ago, <laughs> only a few decades ago. Uh, but um, but they've really become a place for brainwashing kids and turning kids into activists. So tell us a little bit about this handful of interest groups or organizations uh, that you investigated for this book. I think you can simplify it down to four big buckets. The first is the billionaire foundation. It's the, it's the, Groups like the Ford Foundation, Kellogg, Rockefeller Foundation. So one of the first things I did is go through all the tax filings of all these groups that are you're seeing in schools, and there was hundreds and hundreds of them. It was a massive database, almost too complicated to wrap your head around. But the underlying theme is they're almost always funded by these foundations. And the foundations seek them out, and they say, we want to fund you know, racial equity in schools or whatever. And so these nonprofit groups know what's going to get them the grants. If they fall into line and do what the foundations want, they're going to get money. Um, so I was kind of struck by that because we don't think about these people often. You'll be like watching PBS and they'll be like, brought yeah. to you by the Ford Foundation. And, right. you know, <laughs> or maybe, you know, there's some sense just, of, oh, the Rockefeller, they, us, they like funded art museums. Yeah, and they, but, brought, they brought us Downton <laughs> Abbey. How can they be bad? Right. <laughs> I don't think that most people, uh, it, occur, it doesn't occur to most people that the Ford Foundation is a villain. But by the end of investigating schools, I was convinced that, the people behind CRT are the are the foundations I named. They are profoundly radical and profoundly powerful. 
Um, and so it's like a lot of things in the in the school's world. Uh, radicals escape uh, accountability through anonymity. So yeah. it's kind of like the whole lesson that I think a lot of us have learned over the last couple of years is some of the guys that really impact your life the most, some of the bad guys that are kind of coming for your kids or really important to, to your quality of life are not household names. It's not like someone like Joe Biden or Donald Trump. Like it really takes a lot more work to kind of figure out who's who. Yeah. Especially in your town. So, um, so the second, uh, yeah, go ahead. and I'll I just list the other the, three the and then buckets. we can come back yeah, yeah. and go more into detail. Um, but the second group is the consultants, the charlatan consultants that are pushing this racial stuff. And then the third groups are just the self, the third and fourth groups are just the self-interested administrators that want the statistics to look good. And then of course the teachers unions. You know, it's it's so interesting as as I'm hearing you talk about this in my own uh, town of Alexandria, Virginia, the superintendent is, you know, super into CRT. He loves the 1619 project. He wears his I'm on an anti-racist journey T-shirt all the time. He now has a podcast dedicated to equity, so-called equity. We know what it really means. Um, so, so he is super on the grift train. He wants to get into this. And what's so interesting is he recently wrote a book. So he's figured this out. It's really fascinating to kind of track him. And and he was already sort of, you know, into um, sort of the racial grift, I think, before he even came. He did. He was previous to being in Alexandria, Virginia. He was in Shaker Heights, Ohio, where he started this whole racial stuff. And it really they he is not well liked in Shaker Heights, Ohio. Um, but then he came here. And then, of course, George Floyd happened. And, you know, the whole anti-racist movement started and I think he saw his entry and it's interesting. He wrote a book. He's now created an LLC, a consultancy where he's going to now be doing this education consultant work and he's going on this speaker's tour and promoting his book. And as you're talking, I can see, you know, pretty soon he'll be looking for funding from the Ford foundation or the Rockefellers or the Kellogg's. And so it all comes together when you start to see this web and you you're writing about it, I think is really going to help parents, you know, see the bigger picture here, see that this is really a drive for money, if anything else. Um, I, I, you know, I, and again, those buckets, you make it so clear that the money comes from here. Uh, you know, then there are these nonprofit groups, then there are the consultants. And again, the self interested administrators. My guy, my uh, the superintendent in my town seems to fit into all of those buckets, maybe not the billionaire foundations, but he he certainly fits into three of the four buckets. So that is a really great way that you spell it out and explain it to parents. It really comes alive. I want to pivot over, um, you know, I, and I don't want to cut you off if you had more to talk about on on the sort of the four buckets issue. No, I think you're on the right track. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but again, I think that once if parents read this, they can see this actually happening in their own communities. It's sort of this like light bulb goes off um, in their heads and they're like, oh, oh, I see what's happening. It's actually not that hard to understand once you lay it out. Yeah, and all you need is there, it's basically like this hydra, like this multi-headed monster. And you just have to trace it back to one of the central nodes. And it's usually not that you don't have to do that much research to get from right. something in your district to – you know, the nest, the central node where they're all operating out of. <laughs> but it's just a mentality of failing upwards. Like Shaker Heights is, is a known, is like this infamous failure in, in terms of equity because it's a yeah. super liberal place that's super racially 
diverse and they had like busing long ago and the schools yeah. are like exactly equally distributed and they've been spending so much money and so much effort for decades and their their results are not very good um and so shaker heights is like this this laughing stock or if anything this proof that equity uh, programs don't work yeah. and then here this guy goes and he's creating a whole career out of saying see how i ruined shaker heights let me do it elsewhere too <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. It's so funny because the, some of the things I've heard out of Shaker Heights are, oh, he, he really like was the most despised man in the town because if anything, he created racial hostility and racial division. He came in there and, you know, claimed that he was going to shake up Shaker Heights and boy, did he ever and made it a place of great racial division. Um, of while he was there, his tenure there was just fraught. And actually the Washington Post, actually did a, a really interesting piece on him and how he was really despised and how he treated teachers badly. He treated, it was interesting how he he really had no patience for women. There was a part in the book where some a group of fathers went in and talked to him and he at least could have a meeting with them. But again, he didn't have it really care what they had to say. So um, we are now blessed uh, with Superintendent, uh, Superintendent Greg Hutchings, but it, it really, even you know, I thought I had a good handle on things. But then again, reading your your book really helped me understand in, in, a, in a much clearer way what was going on here. And I like the idea of a node. It's all very sci-fi, like tracing it back to the central node. You know, I, I did want to pivot really quickly to say something about your dedication um, of the book is really wonderful. You dedicated the book to your children, which is very nice. But I have to say, I'm not going to lie, I got a little teary-eyed. You're next. You say, dedicate this to my children, but I also dedicate it to the accidental activists. You say, the parents who had no choice but to fight for their kids when they realized that no one else was. And I felt that really sort of personally, I feel like an accidental activist. I know that, you know, my colleague, you know, Carrie very well, you helped Carrie recently reporting on her situation when she unmasked her kids um, and her little kids were suspended, for goodness sake. I know you were there with her reporting. You kind of got yelled at by a, a police officer who amusingly had to pull down his mask to yell at you. Um, so, you know, but I feel Carrie also fits in that category of being an accidental, uh, you know, activist. Um, tell us a little bit about the accidental activists that you've met while covering this issue. Well, I want to credit Azra Nomani uh, for possibly creating that term. I think I may owe her for that clever oh. <laughs> turn of phrase because she's really good at that, and she's yeah. she's a great example of the of an accidental activist. But I would say that um, you know it's been so uh, amazing to watch this resurgence of um, I don't know if resurgence is the right word because I don't know if it's ever happened before, but parents getting involved for the first time. Um, and, and there's been so many of them, and, and that's the great thing is, you know, they may not be household names, just like the bad guys aren't household names. Some of the most important heroes and also some of the most nefarious villains are all kind of just regular people when you're talking about the local level. Um, a lot of them have traditionally thought of themselves as Democrats, and they may still. Um, and what was interesting is that people, there was this recognition that the ideology that was in school systems, it wasn't about that's kind of the ultimate hoax that what's going on here is Democrat versus Republican. It's not. It's this cartel of special interests. And then these people with really, really bizarre, not even progressive, but like weird illiberal beliefs. 
Yeah. And they're just kind of tricking people who aren't paying attention into thinking that it's Democrat. Um, and so, you know, that's why we have Glenn Young. And it's because many, of you know, most of my neighbors here in Fairfax County are probably Democrats. And most of them would agree with every word of the book. And so I wrote the book with all those regular parents in mind. Um, but what really struck me, and that's why I started writing this book in 2019 before coronavirus is, I was a national reporter. I was covering Congress and, and things like that. And I just became convinced that kind of everything I knew was wrong. It's not this fancy, we're so important because we're in Washington and the federal government is what matters and local is like lame or unimportant. I just became convinced that local government matters so much more than anything else. Yeah. It impacts our life in such a personal way. And um, when people don't pay attention, a vacuum is created. And, and that's when special interests build that vacuum. Um you know, I think it's really important to stay focused on academic achievement when we're talking about schools. Um, you know, everyone wants to talk about race and things like that. But I think the main issue here is that the schools have only one job. It's not to employ teachers. It's not to create weird racial beliefs. It's to help kids learn, you know, math, science, and writing. And they're doing a, a, a horrendous job. It's, it's embarrassing. The teachers should be uh, deeply embarrassed at failing to teach these kids. And so as it relates to the other ancillary issues that we have to hear about all the time, I look at them as cover-up mechanisms, um, mm. CRT, equity, race, or whatever you want to call it. Um, there's a reason why it's such weird ideas. It's like, you know, it's very specific. Like what these consultants say, it'll be like, there's no such thing as objectivity. Wanting the right answer is an attribute of whiteness. Worship for the written word is an attribute of whiteness. Like, it's total cult stuff. It's bizarre. I've never heard a black person say anything like it. I've never heard a Democrat say anything like it. It's, like, super specific, um, and there's a, there's a reason why they say the things they do, because all of them serve to uh, say, hey, you know how all of our kids are failing tests? It doesn't matter because there's no such thing as objectivity. It's a complete <laughs> hoax to, to excuse the administrator's mm -hmm. failures. Um, and so everything that what they do in these schools is designed to make themselves look good rather than be good. And so they don't care how they ha who they have to harm. I mean, they don't care if they had to lock your kids out of school for two years. They don't care if they have to let a child be raped. And as a result, a second child goes on to get raped. Um, they will conceal problems rather than work to fix them. And so the test scores are bad. They need to fix them. And instead, they're saying, well... Let's get rid of the exam, you know, the entrance exam to get into some of these magnet schools yeah. because tests tests are not a valid way. A math test is not a valid way to figure out whether someone is good at math. Like, it's also stupid, and it's so obvious that they're doing it just to cover up the fact that they have failed at their jobs, and it is yeah. their job to teach our kids, and they have failed at doing that. Well, you know, you look at the people running for school boards now. Um, you talk about when there's a vacuum uh, created, then, you know, organizations and, and activist organizations will, will fill that vacuum. Um, you talk, you have a chapter dedicated to ch school boards and how those school boards have become politicized. And again, that's how you, it leads to them not doing their jobs because at that point, politics is the only thing that matters. Teaching kids teaching kids the basics no longer matters. So in one, you do write about a man named Carl Frisch. Uh, can you tell us a little about, a little bit about this guy? Sure. So he has no kids and he, he ran for school board in Fairfax County only a couple of years after moving to the, to the County. 
Um, he also never went to college himself. Um, he went to like community college for a year or two. Um, but who he was was a national political activist. Um, he was hanging out with all these Democratic big shots in D.C., being a scheming to help them win elections and things like that. Um, and he was actually so radical. He worked for like David Brock's um, <laughs> Media Matters. Is that his name, David Brock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Media, Media Matters. matters. Yeah, um, which is and, the, which so literally like, is dedicated to harassing conservatives, like in Republicans. And he was like too radical for them. Like he proposed <laughs> these ideas to like follow like people around with like secret cameras for being conservative because he said, "quote uh, simply put, the the progressive movement is in need of an enemy." So he's just out there like finding enemies just to like raise money and seize power. Like, and even the people at Media Matters, I think, were like, "Hey, Carl, you've gone a little too far, man. You seem a little nuts." Um, and so what did he do next? He ran for school board. And it's like he's raising money from all across the country by sending out, um, you know, issues like LGBTQ issues. Like if you want to support gay activism, give to me. And so there would be like little old ladies in California who would be donating to him. And so we're here in Fairfax County just trying to care about our kids. And it's pretty hard to get people to even watch a school board meeting. And then here yeah. this guy is – there are people in California who are donating money to get some guy with no kids on our school board. And it is so creepy. And it was all about kind of this gay rights stuff, which is – you know, it, I have no opinion on – you know, I'm not – it doesn't matter well, yeah, what I mean, anyone's opinion is on that issue. The point <laughs> is it has nothing to do with, with education. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Uh, the I, th- I think gender queer and some of these other – sort of pornographic books that are in this in the schools you know it's so funny because you you if you talk about it on on twitter people are like oh well you just don't like it because it's a you know got graphic gay <laughs> yeah. stuff and i'm like i don't think so i would want straight want... sex yeah i don't kids either what is wrong with you people <laughs> exactly i don't i actually don't want straight sex also depicted like you just said like folks we're not talking about what kind of sex it is we're talking about sex period in on display and and it's it's amazing like i um i took i took some screenshots of those of those pictures and they were on my phone and then i realized oh my god i got to get these off my phone cuz you know you give your kids your phone <laughs> you realize yes. they're scrolling through and they're going to be like uh, mommy's totally creepy here like mommy's a little kinky so i had to yeah. race to my phone to get them off before my kids were scrolling. But what it is is you know there's a, a very cynical uh, a lot of this is just about seizing power for the sake of seizing power that's basically what critical race theory is it's a yes, virus yes. that exists to destroy to take over entities and then destroy to destroy entities and then take them over for the sole purpose of spreading itself. CRT has no solutions. It doesn't yeah. do anything. It just takes over in order to take over. Yeah. And some of those activists that try to use national politics to see local school board slots are the same way. Um, you know, there's another lady on the school board who did the same thing with gun rights here in Fairfax County, like, you know, guns, you know, like hanging on to like Michael Bloomberg with his like different gun, like none of that has, those are national issues, but it's like, um, if you can, it's a way to raise money and to create this tribal mentality that takes the focus off kids, but it helps you win elections. And if yeah. you think about it in Loudoun County, one of the craziest people on the school board is this lady, Julie Briskman, who was known, she was just yeah. a regular person who worked for a tech company. And one day she was riding her bike down the street and Donald <laughs> Trump walked by or drove by. So she flicked him off with her middle finger. And someone happened to take a picture, and she became like the Huffington Post wrote an article. So she became nationally famous for this issue. She started to raise money off of it, 
And now she's using this like Trump issue to raise money from people all over the country and then taking this national level funding and just jamming it down the throats of people in a local race. And I think that's important to say here as far as all the money stuff with the, the foundations and all that or campaign funders. Um, your money goes – the people behind these foundations are very savvy. If you have a certain amount of money that you want to use to get some influence, you can spend it on like a U.S. Senate race where you could spend millions of dollars and it would just be – it wouldn't even mean that much. Or you can spend it at the local level. And yep. so it's really uh, – they're they're – the amount of money these people are spending is, is very large, but then it's especially astonishing when you consider um, how far money goes at the local oh, yeah. level. So oh, there's yeah, been yeah. a very national and strategic takeover of local government um, that yeah. I think, you know, the first thing I learned is that local government is very, very important. And then the second thing is, like, it's kind of been taken over by this really network of national interests who I look yeah. at it as – we're all looking in one direction, meaning we all think like federal politics and Congress and the president is the most important thing. And then these really savvy operators just kind of sneak in the back door, which is local yeah. politics and school boards. Well, it's so interesting, too, because, I mean, there, I think nationally it's something like I've heard Inez Stepman, who I work with at IWF, and she sort of is on the education beat. She always talks about how, you know, I think the, the um, nationwide only like three or four percent of voters show up for school board elections. Like nobody gives a crap. Right. And I mean, now they do, but they certainly didn't for years and years and years. And you're right because there was no interest. You could sneak in these insane candidates who would just kind of win because, you know, only their like friends and family showed up to vote for them anyway. And so they could sort of get into office and then cause so much destruction. Um, but I do want to just talk about this idea of the money and how it's funny, you, you're talking about like these massive foundations, right? Kellogg, Rockefeller, Ford, like these massive foundations that are funding um, CRT. And again, this, this like, you know, as you said, this disease, this virus that just is there to destroy and, and gain power. So they're funding all this. But yet you read in the newspaper, like you read in, in mainstream media that it's all the right wing Right. Um, the, the right wing that gets all this astro and all these, these parent movements, it's just astroturf funded by these right now there's no reason a parent would care about their own kids they must be paid exactly. by someone to no. pretend they care about their kids yeah it's astonishing and it's so funny because at one point the washington post reported on iwf because we put up a, a a letter advising parents like hey here's like here's a sample letter you can write to your school district this is way before the mask mandate was lifted in virginia and and sort of masks were sort of like okay everybody has to mask and so we put up this letter like hey this is a a nice letter you can send and it was it was written if you know hadley hadley manning on our uh, she's our policy she's iwf's policy director she could not be a nicer more polite person and her letter reflected that she was the letter was incredibly nice and it was also it was very polite but it was also um at one point um she said to in the letter uh you know i have a tremendous sympathy for what you're having to deal with so she, it, it was also sympathetic to the school administrator who's having to you know go through all these different rules and the washington post characterized that letter did not did not link to the letter didn't show the letter didn't give any actual um 
quotes from the letter, but characterized our letter as fomenting violence and telling parents to go <laughs> up and scream at school board members. It was insane. And again, they then like reached back and found a Coke donation from like 2007 and were like, oh, Coke, <laughs> right. Um, and so this, this idea that the right is like incredibly well-funded paying off parents to like get upset at their school boards is so insane when, and also I, you know, and I want you to comment on this is this idea that it's all white women, right? It's all just a bunch of white women that are upset about CRT or something. You know, that's not true. I, you mentioned Officer Nomani. I watch school. I, I have no life. So I do watch school board meetings and it is not all white women. There are an awful lot of people from all different backgrounds uh, that are concerned about their kids. And, you know, what do you how do you react when you hear that kind of stuff? And, you know, tell me a little bit about the parents that you're dealing with. Are they all just a bunch of white women with their, you know, their coffee cups filled with wine and their Lululemon, you know, yoga pants? Luke, is that is that all you're there's a, there's a You just described the people that are making the hit list to destroy yeah. and hack the, the you know <laughs> exactly. the Mexicans who love their kids. Um, <laughs> um, there's this yeah, uh, they hate the fact that really the Asians are the main group that is harmed by all these equity things. They can't stand when uh, minorities are not like uh, you know uh, just falling in line to do their bidding, but. It's not about a demo. It's not Democrat versus Republican. It's special interests who want to get money from working at schools and things like that, um, trying to hide their failures. And, and this, you know, the main people that they're failing are the minorities. Uh, so basically, the teachers' unions are willing to go to any lengths just to get easier work conditions or to get a pay raise. Yeah. Like they will harm your kids to get it. Like it seems oh, insane. Yeah. Like. You know, I like I prefer work. I've been working from home lately instead of going into the office. I prefer it, but I wouldn't kill people to get it like a slight benefit. Like, it's crazy. Like, they will do anything to get their way. Yeah. And it's been that way for a long time. Like, they don't care how who they have to fail, who they have to harm. And obviously, people saw it in coronavirus um, where they're like, if I have to go to work, people are going to die. I'm going to die. Coronavirus is just murdering everyone. Um, but I'll work from home, but I'll only work from home if you, if you have a daycare, uh, lady, my watch my kids. Yep. <laughs> so they want someone else to die. Yep. Um, it is so sick. And they had these in Fairfax County, you know, these, the teachers wouldn't go to work. So they paid these people $15 an hour with basically no benefits to show up and like watch the kids oh, in the yeah. classroom. It happened. In, yeah. It happened in Alexandria, Virginia too. And it was funny because, a lot of these people, they were totally untrained, and they'd sit in the back. I remember one parent texted me that the minder, they called him the minder, was in the back of the room eating, like apparently had endless supply of Doritos, was eating these Doritos, and was like, <laughs> like open, and they only had like, they only had the mini pack, so like the bag, like he'd open a bag like every 10 minutes, and so it was like crunch, 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 and then he was eating really loud, and he always had a Sprite, which he would, go, you know, all the kids are like, I want a Sprite, right? And so, and he would yeah. do, and he would, and he read his phone. He literally, if this, a kid could have been murdered and the, the guy yeah. wouldn't have got out of the desk. So. And, no, and they, they have just completely given up on educating our kids. What they want to do is take everything off the focus off of objective measures like test scores um, yep. and replace it with like things like SEL, blah, blah, blah. And so one of the, you know, what they do is they confuse parents with all these fancy terminology and they make you feel like you're not smart enough to know what's going right. on. Or they at least make you feel like, 
um, they're so smart. Oh, they've got it all figured out. They've got a whole system. Like it's not a system. It's just complete mumbo jumbo. Yeah. And I can say, you know, I got I got paid to write to read about all this stuff for a long time. Uh, I had all time to read all the academic papers, read about all these policies. And I, I don't think I need to bore your your listeners by summarizing anything. I can just say honestly, it's all <laughs> BS. It's 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 like kindergarten level ideas that they have wrapped in these unnecessarily wieldy descriptors to hide that is just complete emptiness. Um, yeah. The well, point would... is that none of them are objective. So like SEL, like they don't care about kids' social, emotional. They wouldn't have kept them out of school for two years if they right. cared about that. Right. Um, the the point of SEL is it's who can know whether you you know you get an A in all this stuff like um it, it's it, with a math test you either get the right answer or you don't and you can quantify it and you can measure over time whether yep. kids are heading in the right direction or the wrong direction all this other stuff is subjective mumbo jumbo and there's no reason to think they do any better at that than they have at math and science and all the things that are measurable it's all designed to deflect from their measurable failures so I think it's important to stay focused on. You know, if you're going to school board meetings in your town and they're talking about all this weird stuff they want to do, first think of time as a budget. If you want to take time out of the day to do something new, what's it taking away from? If you want to do like SEL, well, what are they not going to learn about math today? Yeah. And then yeah. the second thing you can do is just ask every time they introduce something, how is this going to increase measurable academic performance and what's what's your proof? Yeah. Um, because they're <clears throat> the test scores, they they do this thing where they say like. Uh, there's high stakes testing. We shouldn't do st- teachers are having to teach to the test. Right, it's all right. it's all made up. Like what you have a you have a test for one day a year that asks <laughs> if you do math and then if you know how to do math. And then the teacher would have to teach to the test. Like shouldn't the teacher be teaching you how right. to do math? Like right. wh- if the test is about math, why why wouldn't she be teaching to the <laughs> teach the kids math? What are you doing all year? Yeah. Um yeah. and they get so mad it's high stakes. Yeah. It, this, this test has literally no bearing on the kids. If you if you refuse to take it, nothing will even happen to the kid because right. it's designed to measure the teacher. But yes. they go completely psycho and they have all these well-funded groups that are bankrolled by the teachers' unions trying to make it seem like your kids aren't going to be getting creativity in school if there's too much testing. There's right. not too much testing. It's like one day a year. Yeah. Um, so it's really what I saw at the end of this book is there's all these special interests, blah, 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 all the racial stuff. But what it really is is there's a scheme to move numbers around on a sheet of paper so that the schools can look good, even though they're just completely failing our kids year after year. The teachers get to keep getting, you know, pay raises and a lifetime pension. while a lot of these kids just head for a, a lifetime on the welfare rolls and the teachers are just they will do anything to keep you from finding that out because they just want to keep the gravy train rolling. You know, it's, it's so interesting to me, Luke, I, I, I hear some of this stuff and it's funny. I always say that, you know, at the beginning of COVID, if you had asked me about, you know, what's the solution to public schools, you know, and I would have said, Oh, well, we have to keep pushing for reforms. And we have, you know, I was very kind of milk toast about it, probably because I didn't really understand the issues as much as I do now. And, you know, and I was, you know, I was always like, oh, yes, we definitely need school choice to give uh, give parents more, which, of course, I still believe to this day even stronger. But as far as reforming the public schools, I have now gone into the camp of, nope, there's no reforming it. They, they need to, I mean, they need to be shut down. Uh, you know, I've sort of gone into the, like, get rid of the Department of Education camp, right? Like, get rid of everything. Um do you even think it's possible to reform this 
this is not a broken system. This is a system that has been like obliterated. It is, it does, it, there's no, I, you can't, you almost can't see what public schools used to be or what they were designed to do anymore. Do you, do you, where, where are you after doing this book, after writing about this for years, after uncovering gruesome, gruesome details like that rape in Loudoun County, the follow-up rape, you broke those stories. You have an entire major media, major media outlets ignoring this stuff. And you broke this story. How, where is your head in terms of, is there, is reform possible or do you just need to get out? You know, I think every parent should get their kid out, but it, I don't, I'm, I'm reluctant to say that. I mean, I felt the same way as you that, well, I think that when I started this project, I thought Republicans made a huge mistake by talking about just like school choice. Cause anytime they were asked about public schools, they were just like, yeah, I don't know. I don't care. I, I don't pay attention to that. We should just do school choice. And so you create that vacuum again, where you've just ceded it to the crazy people but realistically, they are so entrenched, as you said. It is like a deep state where it's not just the school board. Yeah. I mean, you can elect an all-Republican school board, but then what, where are you going to find a superintendent? Right. Even if you find a good superintendent, what about the teachers that are getting their, you know, there's these groups like the National Council of Teachers of English. So if you're like a teacher, you kind of like get to some, to some extent your guidance or your professional yeah. training from these groups. They've all been taken over. Yeah. And they've yeah. just operated really for – I think it's important for people to understand that what we saw over the last two years was a symptom of a deeper rot, um, mm -hmm. the, the same dynamics. And that's why some of my stories in my book will go back to like 2014 and show the, the story of this dad who exposed that his school district was breaking the law. And in exchange, they, uh, they banned him from school property. They tried to get him arrested. They tried to get him fired for their job. They tried to get child protective services to take his kids away. Oh. Um, they even called his, his like 93 year old dad to tell on him. Uh, like these people are insane. <laughs> um, and it's been going on for a long time. It's not about race. The dispute back then had nothing to do with critical race theory. No one had even heard yeah. of, you know, CRT at that time. The same thing they're trying to do now is, a, it's just racist parents. Like, They've been doing that to anyone that threatens their self-interested cartel for decades because yeah. um, they are failing our kids. I don't know. Uh, it is so frustrating <laughs> to know to know what to do because yeah. if we just give up completely, it seeds the whole thing to the bad guys. But at the same time, look, you got to look out for yourself. you got to look out for your kids. Um, and it does hurt them to withdraw your kids because if we all withdrew or many of us withdrew, um, they lose out on money. So – I think you're probably right that, um, you know, just getting out if you can. Of course, we feel bad for the people that can't afford it. Um, it's important to say that private school is not, like, for the privileged. Like, private school costs less than public school. Um, it's just that taxpayers are paying it on the public side. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. cost more, though. You know, if private schools are better, it is not because they have more money. They have far, far less money less than money. public schools. It's just public schools do a remarkably bad job at getting results. That's right. That's right. Um, look, you know, we're coming up here on, uh, on time, but you know, I want to, I, I want to encourage people to, to really read all your stuff, follow you. And, and, you know, I, I, I think this is probably the most, I think your book is the most critical book, um, that parents can read right now because it really puts it all together. And what we're seeing, as you said, this like, sort of bigger rot you've exposed the bigger rot that really is hard to see i think 
Um, it's not hard to see right now. Uh, we, you know, we see it, I think parents in the public schools see it daily, you know, and, and, and frankly, and, and with some of the woke stuff that we see, you know, you see that stuff in private schools as well, but at least private schools, at least, you know, have some incentive to actually teach children. Um, we might not agree with some of the, the social engineering going on, but they actually, um, do tr- uh, still try to attend to the reading, writing, arithmetic. Um, but I, I want to, you know, where are you? What, what's your Twitter handle? There's, but there's a lot of parents that aren't on Twitter. Do you have a sub stack? Um, you know, I know you're, you, you can be found, you know, obviously at Daily Wire. Um, but where, where are the other places people can find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Luke Rosiak and, uh, you know, Daily Wire is where my articles are. And then the book Race to the Bottom is probably the most, I, I kind of, I spent two years figuring out what to say about schools there so I can say everything I want to say is kind of, I said it best in that book. Um, and you can pick that up at any bookstore or Amazon or whatever. It's called Race to the Bottom. Well, we'll definitely have a link to it and I'll be um, tweeting it out as well. Again, the book is called Race to the Bottom, Uncovering the Secret Forces, Destroying American Public Education. Uh, it's funny you say destroying. I think it really is destroyed. I think parents have to get out, but I will tell parents as well there is a reason why people, you know, people like me and people who really have a look into the rot of the public schools. And I would, you know, I don't want to speak for you, Luke, but I, I, I think you're probably also a supporter of, of school choice. This is the reason why, you know, I was able to get all three of my kids out. They're now in private schools. Um, and I homeschooled for two years and I was able to, cause I work from home, but there's a lot of people that are not able to get out of the schools and those kids are often the most vulnerable. So yeah, I think one of the lessons from all of this, when you, when you listen to Luke talk about it, when you read the book race to the bottom, um, you know, I think the solution is fine. If you want to think about ways to reform public schools, but the way in which public schools will start to reform is when parents have a choice, when there is a marketplace where they can choose the best school for their kids. Um, So Luke, I don't know if you have any uh, parting or ending thoughts or wrap-up thoughts about that. You know, I actually think you said it so well that it's best to leave it right there. Oh, well, look, see, see, that's so great. I guess that's why I'm the host. Um, well, <laughs> well, Luke, listen, I am, you know, I am a huge fangirl of yours. I appreciate all the work that you do and, and all the things you do to support parents. You are often one of the first piece people I tweet, tweet to if I see some new outrageous thing out there in the school. So thanks so much from a from a very tired mom who has been fighting this battle for a long time, um, you know, personally for my own kids, I appreciate everything you do to shed light on this really serious problem. Thanks for coming on, Luke. Thank you, Julie. Thanks, everyone, for being here for another episode of the Bespoke Parenting Hour. If you enjoyed this episode or like the podcast in general, please leave a rating or review on iTunes. This helps ensure that the podcast reaches as many listeners as possible. If you haven't subscribed to the Bespoke Parenting Hour on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts, please do so so you won't miss an episode. Don't forget to share this episode and let your friends know that they can get Bespoke episodes on their favorite podcast app. From all of us here at the Independent Women's Forum, thanks for listening.